Good morning and welcome to the Marysville 3CU Church. As we begin today's message, our message comes from the book of Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. And as we think about this passage and as you maybe are hopefully are looking it up, have you ever tried to get someone to Jesus? See someone that has a problem that needs Jesus and got them there. Today's message tells us about one of those such stories. And so we're going to be begin a reading in Mark chapter 2. We'll read verses 1 through 12 and then we'll uh, go in the second half of the passage then. And I want you to envision the setting as we talk about this. Jesus as we'll find here in just a minute, is in a house in Capernaum. And as he's in the house, everyone's there trying to listen, try to hear, and someone needs to get to Jesus. And how do they get there to the crowd? How do they get this person there when there's so many people? And by the way, this person can't walk on their own. How do they get to Jesus? Mark chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, so... When they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk, that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Father God, I pray that you'd help us to hear from you today. And that it might inspire us, the Lord, to take action for those that need you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you see the setting? Can you imagine the setting here? Jesus is preaching in this house. And you can imagine he was in this house and people come to hear him. Even, even some, uh, what did it say, scribes and Pharisees? came in and listened as well. Oh, just some of the scribes. I, you always want to say scribes and Pharisees, but it was the scribes. But they were listening in to Jesus as well. And they're in this house. And you come from a distance. There's some people carrying this man, a paralytic. He can't walk. But they need to get him to Jesus. They, they've determined that they recognize he, they need, he needs Jesus, that Jesus can help, and they need to get him there, but they can't get through the obstacle. 
So they found a way to overcome it. Now, how many would have thought of this? They go up on the roof, and as you can imagine, the roofs are not the kind of roofs that we'd have today. It's likely a, a flat roof, and they uh, possibly then there's steps up the side, and they go to the top, and they start removing the tiles of the roof. They start pulling it apart. And I don't know how it was made. It could have been like a lath and plaster kind of situation that some of you might be familiar with, with sticks and things going across and some hardened mud or plaster in there to cover that up for, uh, for when it would rain or things, or maybe some other coverings. But can you imagine being in the house? Can you imagine? It'd be like me here, I'm preaching, and then all of a the sudden, there's this fine mist of dust that's falling around me. As someone above us is starting to remove the ceiling tiles, or, and they're making noise while they're doing it. I would think if I was preaching, I know if I was preaching, that would be a distraction. But it would be a distraction for me. But can you imagine if I'm preaching and things are starting to fall and I'm ignoring it? You all were going to be looking at it. Of course, nowadays, if it got too big, you guys would have your phones out and be uh, videotaping what was going on so you could put it on Facebook or, or Instagram or wherever you would put it. Uh, but you, it's coming down around. Now, now put yourself in the position of the person that owns the house, whose house it is. I mean, can you imagine the ceiling falling in in the middle of a service? Some of you could imagine a ceiling falling in when you're not in the room. But can you imagine that the preacher's in the house and he's preaching a sermon and the ceiling's starting to come down? You might be concerned that the whole thing's going to come down. So this is a very interesting setting. But these people recognize that Jesus could help. These four people recognize that Jesus could help this individual that needed to get to Jesus. They found a way around the obstacle. They couldn't get through the people, but they were going to get them to Jesus. And what does it say in verse 5? It says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Now, when he says they saw their faith, was it the faith of the paralytic or faith of the four men? I tend to think it was the faith of all of them. Because what happened when Jesus says, take up your bed and walk? He immediately got up. So he had faith to actually get up and believe that he could stand up. But it's the faith of the individuals that were bringing him. They had some faith too. Why would they go through all that trouble of going around the crowd to carrying the person, carrying them up on the roof, and risking the ire of the homeowner for ripping over open the roof of the house. But whose faith came first? Was it the faith of the men that came and got him, or was it the faith of the guy who says, I need to get to Jesus because he can heal me? You could probably say it's either way, but one way to go all through those things, all those through those activities, was these men, if the man didn't have the faith before, by the time he saw their perseverance and their desire and how much trust they had that Jesus could actually help them, no doubt swelled the faith up within this man that, yes, Jesus 
Jesus could help me. They believe so much and they're going so far for me. See, they recognized that someone was in need of Jesus. They acted on that recognition. They found a way to overcome any of the obstacles. And they were willing to take on the consequences. Have you ever been in a service when the Holy Spirit breaks in? Kind of like breaks through the roof. And you think about the distraction of Jesus is preaching and here they come down and they're lowering a person in front of them because they need Jesus. It's like when the Holy Spirit moves and someone comes to the altar because they need Jesus. That's not really an interruption. That's the Holy Spirit at work. But that would be rather exciting. I am still having trouble with the concept of being someplace and preaching and have somebody open up the roof on me. I just, I think it would just shake me up. I would lose my train of thought. I have enough problem keeping my train of thought, but then I would really lose my train of thought. But they recognized it. Do you have people that you've recognized that their solution to their problem is they need Jesus? The problem they're having, Jesus can help them with. The question is, is do you act on that? Do you try to get them to Jesus? Do you try to help? When you run into an obstacle, do you say, well, you know, I tried. They carried the man to the crowd and still couldn't get in, so they went up on the roof. How many obstacles would you encounter? How much risk would you take? How much perseverance would you have if you knew someone needed the help that only Jesus can give? How far would you go? How far have you gone? Or just like, well, I guess they can't get in because they're outside. People need Jesus. And we have to do more than just observing that they need Jesus. We have to do more than just saying, well, I'll listen to them. And James, it talks about, we shake their hand and say, hey, have a good week and be warm and well-fed. But we don't give them anything by which they can be warmed or well-fed. You say, go on your way and hope you have a good week. And they go back to no house, no food, and whatever situation and you walk away with your hands in your pocket, go out someplace nice to eat, and you have a great week doing whatever you do. Or when you walk along, you see someone that's out there doing something they shouldn't, do you think about, you know, they really need Jesus in their life? Do you do anything to help them? Or maybe you don't know about the individuals, but what are you doing to help the church reach them? Or what are you doing to help the missionaries reach those? Jesus says, go you into all the world, and preach the gospel. All the world. Not just local. All the world. And we won't go into it right now. But there were people sending offerings around and things in the New Testament times. To help people in other parts of the world. But wait. There's more. Let's go back to Mark chapter 2. And look at verse 13. 
Then he went out again by the sea, this is Jesus, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. As he passed by, he saw Levi. This is, or Matthew. This is Matthew. This is the calling of Matthew, the disciple. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many. And they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus is calling Levi or Matthew. And Matthew comes along, and when Matthew joins the ranks and becomes a disciple of Jesus, he has Jesus over, and he has some of his acquaintances over as well. And who are those? Other tax collectors. And other people. And other people that the scribes called sinners. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, wow, Jesus is being, spending time with sinners. That's interesting. That's interesting. Can you imagine non-Christians coming to church? Can you imagine a church where non-Christians are present? I hope so. Do we want people that aren't Christians to come to our churches? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. See, Jesus says it's not the whole that need the physician. It's those that need healing, need spiritual healing. That's why they need to come. They need Jesus, and we need to say, oh, I'm glad they're here. Yeah, but you don't know what they do. What? Jesus can't help them? Jesus can't save them from that thing? Do we condone all their activities? No, but they're not even Christians. Now, we have Christians that need to grow up and stop doing some of the things they're doing, and then they need to mature. But certainly, we should have a church that has non-Christians in it. And how do we respond? How do we look at them? How do we feel about that? Well, hopefully we can open our eyes and open our filters, our, our uh, way we view things, the way we look at the world, the, the way we assess things. And recognize that people need Jesus. And that people need to be in church. And that people need, that need to be Jesus that are sinners need to be in your church. Now you might be concerned, well, what if they take over? Well, that's why you have church membership and you have church leadership and those kinds of things. You have membership requirements to become formal members, but you can be members of a congregation and be part of that. So 
don't be concerned with that and make that become your obstacle for sinners coming to church. We need people to come to church. We need people that need Jesus to come to church because that's why we're here. To make disciples. To take those that are mature in Christ, maturing in Christ, and help them to mature so that they can go out and make other disciples. People like the ones that went to eat with Levi and Jesus. That need to get saved, that need to repent. And then we mature them along so that they can go out and make more disciples. As you look at the world and as you process these things, you have to first pray that you see people in need of Jesus. And if you're able to see people in need of Jesus, that then God would help you to say, what do I need to do? I've recognized they need Jesus. What do I need to do about it to help them? To put some action to it, to actually try to get them to church. Do you ask people to church, let alone talk to them about salvation? Are you willing to overcome some obstacles or to endure some inconveniences or the consequences of reaching out to get people to Jesus? That it's so important that they'll see that it's so important because it's important to you that it'll give them pause to say, well, maybe I should listen to them. Because I've seen how they've been living, and I, I kind of would like to have what they have. Because there's something about, I can't explain it, but there's something on how they treat people. Or they, how, how they talk about their wife in a respectful way. Or their husband in a respectful way or how they love their family, or how they get through diverse uh, uh, situations and, and problems and situations. That says they're different, and I want that. That you're approachable, and that you're ever prepared to give an answer for the hope that was, is within you, which the Scripture tells us to do. So, Jesus comes for us, just like he came for us when we were out in sin. And so who are we now to look to those that are in sin and we're not and not realize? They need Jesus. We need a Jesus. Do we not love them enough to do something about it? Let's be standing together. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us, each one, to be open to the guiding of the Holy Spirit to see that people need Jesus. People are living in sin, dying, and going to a devil's hell. And we, hopefully, aren't just sitting by and saying, at least I'm not like them. Help us to remember we used to be like them. We used to be unforgiven. We used to be in need of you. And, Lord, lest we check ourselves, we might find ourselves backsliding. And that 
we live in a state of arrogance, not really realizing or forgetting that we need you. Help us, the Lord, to be humble before you. Help us to have compassion for others. And help us to be willing to do something about it. Or at a minimum, not getting in the way of people that are trying to do something about it. Help us to see the need of the lost, to exhibit the faith of those that have hope in Jesus, and that we might live a life that others might see and glorify our Father which art in heaven and say, I want what you've got. Help us, their Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.